You should be the host here. I'm really laughing at you. We're both monster people, diehard monster people, and we want them to do well. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Nobody knows monster rugby better. I'd like to think I know a lot. Welcome along to the 11th episode of the Red 78 podcast, the rugby channel's home of everything monster rugby. With me, Alan Quinlan, and of course, Neve Briggs. How are you, Neve? Good, Quinny, in the festive uh, cheer with my jumper. Bit I disappointed know. that I, you didn't, yeah, didn't I even. Couldn't, couldn't find one. I couldn't find a Christmas jumper. I did look around. Well, you um, went with a pink jumper, so I suppose it's, that's it's nice, close yeah. enough to Santa. It's as a little bit. A little awesome. bit of colour for Christmas. <laughs> um, well, do you think Spurs should have beaten Liverpool on Sunday? We were in the season of giving, weren't we? We liked to give chances and points away but uh, an improvement an improvement yeah I wasn't uh, I, I didn't enjoy it no I'll be honest Harry Kane should have been red anyway in my opinion and he got the ball he got the ball <laughs> that's what he said afterwards yeah yeah exactly that was the most ridiculous interview afterwards wasn't it I got yeah. the ball uh, but uh, no there was loads of incidents we should, we should have had a penalty do you know what I mean so, I'm just stop, will you? Anyway, we better get on with this. Don't forget to get in touch with your thoughts on all things Monster. You can tweet us at Rugby Channel 15 or search for the Rugby Channel on YouTube and leave a comment. And of course, to subscribe to the podcast, just search for the Red 78 and you'll get the podcast straight to your phone every week. Um, okay, well, we had some rugby anyway again. Um, not, not the same excitement and high of the previous week in, in the Wasps game. Um some of uh, a number of the players who were uh, stuck in South Africa and got home initially, the first group home, they were back involved. Um, what did you make of the overall performance? We'll get down into the nitty gritty of it in a few minutes, but what were your feelings afterwards? Yeah, look, I thought it was a difficult game to watch. I'd imagine it was a difficult game to play because when you play, you weren't just playing with tempo and I just think there was so much stop start. I think there was... Um, a huge amount of penalties, uh, like double figures of lineouts, double figures of scrums, and when you're looking at that, I think you're just you're you're, you know, Matt Carley was very pernickety um, and just didn't let the game flow. I think that Munster we saw against Wasps, we've seen again at times this season in in the UPC that, you know, when they they have tempo, when they get to play with pace, then they, they're very dangerous. I think the cast, you know almost like in soccer terms, parked the bus. They didn't really want to play. They were happy enough just to form a line across the pitch. And and, and they defended very well, to be fair to them. And they created a lot of issues for Munster at the breakdown. But they, you know, they didn't really offer a huge amount either um, in attack. So, um, and I was frustrated because for me, I actually thought for the first time this season, that back line looked like they were going at pace. They looked like they were um, a threat. They, you know, they... Yes, they didn't really get a huge platform to work off, and um, so frustrating. But I, I can totally see it. You know, you just spoke about lads coming back there. Jack O'Donnell, who spoke after the game, it was the seventh or eighth week without a match. Um, and while it can refresh you, I think that cohesion and that timing, um, you know, they missed. And look, it's going to be always very difficult too in terms of the mental high over the previous couple of weeks in terms of those young lads coming in and 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 that Wasps game. I just think that. Um, they did well. I'm just disappointed that they allowed Cass to get a losing, a losing bonus point. How, how much of a factor is the the, um, the emotional and kind of mental toll of what's happened in the last couple of weeks? Because I think sometimes um, 
I mixed on it. It was a poor performance, um, but there's mitigation there and there's reasons probably why, um, given that they hadn't played in so long, lots of players, they certainly hadn't played together as a team either. So, um, and Cass made it very, very difficult for them. But I think overall the emotional kind of turmoil that they've gone through and, and two training sessions last week, six-day turnaround, um, quite difficult. <laughs> we both know as former players that, it is quite difficult to, to gel and get it right there. So should we allow that mitigation to be not an excuse, but a, a major factor in the performance? Oh, I think you have to. I think you have to. I think I think you know as well as anyone when you're turning out performances week in, week out, um, to be able to get to that mental pitch. And we've spoken about it before. And I think, you know, it's not an excuse. It's just a fact that it's very difficult to when you become so mentally charged for a game to pick yourself up six days later is really difficult and you're never going to reach the highs. I think Warren Gatlin said it best after England beat New Zealand in the 2019 semi-final of the World Cup. He knew, he was like, there's no way, I, I fully believe that they're not going to beat uh, South Africa in the final um, because it's so hard to put such a, you know, an all-in performance and to repeat it seven days later. It's not just a physical toll, it's a mental toll that takes on you. And I think... There was so much off the pitch stuff, and to be fair to those senior lads, you know they really took it by the scruff of the neck. And um, but the come down on top of that, like you know coming back into the dressing room after that Wasps game, everybody's celebrating. It's huge. You know the academy lads are getting pictures with the senior lads. It's like you know cheering beers, and then you know and I hope that they went and had a few beers after it because I think that was so, that that was going to be really important for them. But also. You know, two or three days later, you're back for your review when you're trying to get them to come back down and, and then to bring them straight back up, you know, within two or three days. It's a very difficult thing to do. I think Munster fans would have taken and the team probably would have taken nine points before these two games. And hypothetically, we say none of the other stuff happened. Um, I think if you looked at Watson, we're going to Watson getting an away win with four points. It would have been great. And you'd have been hoping for five with against Cass at home. So probably in the reverse the way it happened was maybe what, what people expected and would have really hoped for. But still nine points out of ten in two games is is a positive. But there was a lot of basic errors, I thought, and I think Damien Dialende summed it up pretty well after the game. Um, there was a lot of kind of risky passes and offloads and loose balls and turnovers, and they could just never get going. Should they be better as, as top quality players, even though they've gone through a lot and they've had very little preparation together? Yeah, you could argue that they should be better. The basics should have been better. And that maybe when you don't play matches, that maybe you lose a bit of zip and that, that match sharpness and stuff that, that you would expect. And I think Cass then were probably, and I think most people will agree with this, they were, they'd made a number of changes last week. They didn't really want to be there. Their president said it before the game, given the postponements of lots of fixtures and the, the, the travel uh, issues that the French government issued, that they didn't want their teams going to, not to the UK anyway. And uh, it created a lot of uncertainty with loads of postponements. They didn't want to be there. And it kind of deflated the whole experience, didn't it? The whole atmosphere, um, given Munster's performance and Cass being pretty negative. So... But part of me thinks there's certain areas they should have been a, bit, a lot better in. They should have been a little bit more protective of the ball and, and a little bit more patient in what they were trying to do. 
Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think you can look at that in twofold. OK, so Cass definitely didn't want to be there. It's very, very obvious. Um, they were almost belligerent in terms of how they defended. And then, you know, that was... Um, do, you second... think, do you think there was an expectation after the high last week that it would just happen? 100%. Cr- crowd would get behind them, 20,000, over 20,000 there, and they would all I think just from fall a supporter's point, I think from a supporter's point of view, there was definitely an expectation for sure. I just think that the cast, that was the second slash third string for cast that, you know, that they sent over. It's just pure stubbornness. I think for me, though, on the flip side of Munster, look, I'm glad that they, not glad, but you want to see them pushing those passes, those offloads. And the, the thing is, is that, you know, if they just tucked up jumper, didn't have any passes, just one out runners, we'd be absolutely lambasting them here today. Look, they tried things. Did it work? No, you're going to get days if it doesn't work. The issue being is that when you know it's not working, you've got to learn to play yourself back into a game. So literally for, you know, it's taken somebody just to say at a, at a break of play, okay, for the next, and, and you must have had these conversations about the breakdown, you know, nobody going into the breakdown, we're not getting anything. Nobody, you know, just take the ball into contact, look after it, we'll rock over it and we'll set it up. And we play ourselves into the game that way. I think when, you know, you're losing momentum because of drop passes and handling errors, you've just got to be able to find that balance to be able to rein that back in. And then the more you play yourself into the game, it could take 70 minutes, then the more those offloads... A lot of that that stuff is down to good decision-making. And I think mentally, um, they didn't make those good decisions. They didn't make the the right calls and right... um, Their application was poor there as well. And it was probably summed up by Damien Dialende, who played pretty well, to be fair. He was the, the player of the match the pass that he probably should have just given simple pass to John Klein and, and he scores, but he went himself. And then I still think it was a try. I think there was no separation there. And I think it was the wrong, wrong call. Jack O'Donoghue's for me was, was uh, a little bit more suspect. I really thought there was no separation for Damien Dialinde's one, but he should have passed it. And that probably, that possibly summed up what was um, just the whole match really in a sense. Yeah, but I, I also think, you know, there was a lot of good individual performances. I thought, obviously, Dame Delande played very well. I thought Ben Healy was excellent. Um, I thought that the, the back line, you know, they looked threatening. I thought Niall Scannon, you know, did a lot of huge amount of dirty work. Uh, and, and you know, I, I do think that when you have individuals that are performing well, you know, the cohesiveness, that teamwork can come. And I think they'll be... Much the better first from and, and to be fair, Quinny, look, I, I'm not I'm not the eternal optimist. I know I'm not, but I'm not sure Munster would have won a game like that 12, 18 months ago. That dirty game, like, and when you don't play well and you win dirty games, they can do a lot for you as a group. And and I, they're not, you know, they'll go into a review, you know, Monday morning review and and know that it wasn't good enough. And Van Grant said they didn't play well enough. To be fair, and they'll know that. But I, for me, a lot of that is very fixable. Um, in terms of those handling errors, the basics, the, the looking after the ball, cast were really, you know, <clears throat> very dangerous at the breakdown that could create a havoc. And for like when Munster, the first clearer would take the ball, you know, the, the, the cast defender away, they always had a second one in really quickly. And it's like it was almost that Munster needed to go to two in at the breakdown straight away. So there's no separation, so they can secure that ball. But look, it was and and the kicking out of hand at times wasn't great. So uh, coupled with that, I just think that 
I think they're all very fixable things, but I just do think that the fact that no games for a long time and and look, it's very easy to jump on the back of, you know, Van Grand having announced he's going. Yeah, because you know, I, so well I, I, I think that's a fa- I think that's possibly a factor with the negativity around the game because look, um, you know, as a player, I've been in that situation, particularly in Europe before, where you you have a poor performance um, against a team at home, and then you go away and you you produce a brilliant. We had it against Perpignan in two thousand nine when Perpignan should have beaten us in Thomond Park. Possibly should have beaten us. It was very close. I think Rog got a kick later on to win it for us. Um, they were ahead with a couple of minutes to go. And it was a really flat performance from a very experienced Munster side. And we went on the return leg then. Um, and we got a five-try bonus point win where everybody wrote us off, said that we were finished. We were too old as a team. Um, they'd never... They were incredibly hard to beat Perpignan in their home ground. And we went there and produced a brilliant performance. One of the, one of the best away performances and, uh, that I was involved in. But I think there's probably, with what happened with Johan van Graan last week, announcing that he's leaving. Bath then the following day announcing that he signed. Loads of question marks about where his head is going to be. His preparation, his planning. Um, and lots of negativity after the match. I, and I saw stuff online and social media and even um, just chatting to people. Um, they're kind of jumping on that straight away that it's, yeah, it's really negative now. And I think it's a little bit unfair. So just to reiterate the point and reinforce the point we're making, and I think we're both in agreement to this, I would say, it was a flat performance, lots of errors, lots of mistakes, poor discipline at times. But lots of factors to go with that. And and that's why I think it's a little bit unfair to go too heavy on them. Is there are the Munster fans demanding? Yes. Were people leaving Tone Park the other night frustrated and and irked a bit? Yes, for sure. Um the, the, the whole atmosphere went very, very flat. And and look, sometimes it's not up to the players to 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 get the crowd going. The crowd have got to get, you know, get in behind the team and but um, I think they're they're the reasons, and I do think it is a factor. And I just I just think it's really key now how Johan van Graan manages this himself with his own players and the psychology of any of them thinking. And I just I've thought about this for me as a player being there. It's different when you know the coach is leaving. You know it can galvanize you, and you want to finish on a high, or you can get a little bit bitchy and and snappy and create a little bit of a negativity and be a little bit of a drain on the group. So I think that is the key to, to a lot of the senior players that they've got to get hold of, of each other. Caroline Currett, the sports psychologist, will play a really important role in how she deals with the players and making sure that, you know, they are a very united group and we've heard that. And I think the last couple of weeks would have been fantastic. Just look at where we were last week. It was all positive. It was all these young players coming through. It was a remarkable win. Um, and then that sport, isn't it? It's it's completely. It's, it's difficult, and and people can it's, they find a narrative which I'm not saying is completely wrong, and I don't think you are. We're, it's somewhere in the middle. It was a poor performance, and there was reasons. And you know, the fans have a have have probably reason to be frustrated with the performance overall. But I think it's important that they understand. What's gone on the last number of, what, number of weeks and 
the mental toll of that as well. And I think Johan Levin as well. So he's 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 in a situation now where he wants to finish on a high, but I think they have to find a little bit of spark now in this next block of fixtures. Yeah, absolutely. I think <clears throat> I just think sport's incredibly fickle, isn't it? And one week you're up, the next week you're down. And I think that's that's probably that's probably what draws us to it. We love it so much. I'm not really buying into the fact that they did they had a flat performance because Johan Van Gran is, is announced that he's leaving. I think he's it can got be a factor, much, though. It can be a factor. Uh, I don't buy it. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. But they're maybe. they're professionals, and he's. Johan, sorry, is is a constant professional. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying I believe that either, but I think the the, the the people on the outside, that's what they kind of jumped on on social media. Oh, completely. And I thought that's some the easy the papers, thing, though, Winnie. Some of the papers kind of grasped it because he's leaving now that this is going to be... But it's uh, the easy thing to blame. Yeah, it and is. I, yeah. And I just, that to me is just, it's so far incorrect when you look at everything that's gone on over the last few weeks, <clears throat> the biggest thing for me, not even about the, the COVID situation, is the game time that they lacked. I think they lacked, you know, a lot of them hadn't played in seven or eight weeks. That's that's a huge amount for any professional. That, that Bar COVID, I don't know any other time in most professionals' careers where they go eight weeks without a game. And, you know, Jack Donner was in an article in the paper yesterday and he even spoke about, you know, for the first 20 minutes, he was just like, you know, blowing, like trying to get his legs back into himself. And and that's going to take time and take toll. And yeah, look, I just think, I think, I think that you just draw, you draw a line under that now and you just start focusing on, on Leinster. Yeah. One of the positives, one of the big positives for me that, us, um, that obviously we, we did speak a little bit about last week, there was 12 European debutants versus Wasps. Um, they were all very highlighted, but there was five against Cast: Dermot Barn, Kenyon Knox, Jack Crowley, Alex Kendall, and, and Jason Jenkins. So that's 17 European debutants over two, the first two rounds of Europe, which is incredible, really. So um, that's something that um, is pretty unique, isn't it, would you say? And, and obviously it's a big positive that these guys have been exposed to, to this level of rugby. Yeah, I think it's huge. I think it's 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 class. I think there's so many good names in that. You know, I think it was brilliant for for Munster fans to see Jason Jenkins. Obviously, he's been injured since they've signed him. He looked like a big man. Didn't need to be fair to him. Um, the likes of Jack Crowley and Alex Gundelin, obviously their underage um, career has put them on this trajectory, and everybody's really excited. But you know, I'm so excited to see see them get more game time. Um, so look, I I think it's been. A really solid two weeks for for Munster. They'd be really really happy. The, the big, and the big disappointment that we didn't mention was Joey Carberry and how yeah. unlucky he was to get injured last week against Wasps. And he's going to spend a spell now on the sidelines again, which is so unfortunate for him. And he's a big loss to Munster, but um, he fractured his elbow. Um, ben Healy, Jack Crowley. Do you think they're good enough and are, are capable of 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 um, stepping up to the plate in the next couple of weeks now? Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. I think, um, I think that Ben Healy has really grown over the last kind of twelve months for me. I think he's been excellent every time he's played with Munster this season. He seems to, you know, we always knew. I, I watched him playing schools cup here in Limerick, and I, you know, his boot was obviously always something that was, um you know, attributed to, to how well he was playing in underage. But for me right now, you know, he's 
he's he's he's managing games very very well. Um, there was often question marks whether his running game, you know, how he could do it. I think we saw in the Scarlets game um, how, how good he can be on the, on the game line. I think we saw it at times the other day. He's also an incredibly big man. He, he, you know, I'm not even off the shoulder when I chat to him, and um, and he's defensively sound. Like I think he's ready to go now, and to, to, to you know to be able to play over the next few weeks. Look, he, he's a very different type of player to Troy Garvey. Let's let's not start comparing. Like, yeah, like. I I think he's a very good player, and he's done br- brilliant. Um, Part of me wants to see more Jack Crowley, though. I just yeah, I agree. Has, 100%, he just, yeah. I think he has that little bit of spark and stuff that maybe they're different players, aren't they? And yeah. uh, what's important now is controlling the game as a ten and the, dealing with the ups and downs and the pressures. It's a pivotal position, and um, it's one that that takes a, you take a fair bit of responsibility when you go out and play and um, come. In I just love that he doesn't have any fear, Quinny. You know, there's a penalty anywhere with him. His own ten meter line to the opposition goal, and he's always goading Peter O'Man. And he needs to go for boasts. Like, do you know what I mean? So, look, I think it's a really, it's a really, really good opportunity for those two young lads. Hopefully, they both get state fit, so they both get a good amount of game time, and and then, you know, please God, we'll see Joy back in the new year. So, there's going to be a lot of changes in the next couple of weeks. Um, that's what Johan said yesterday in his press conference. Um, Simon Zebal come back into the, the mix. Mike Haley. We haven't seen, we haven't seen Zebo, have we? And we spoke about his excitement, and you just think that he does have that ability to to ignite the crowd and get get them going. And for me, I hope he gets some sort of a decent run and can show us what 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 he's capable of and and what he can bring to Munster in the next couple of weeks. There were some headlines in the English papers this week about Declan Kidney. Obviously, Munster have to get a head coach, an assistant coach. Um, for Stephen Stephen Larkham and Johan van Gran, but there's talks in the papers and I met some of the headlines in the English press that Declan Kidney, who's now currently the director of rugby in London Irish, that he's been linked with that director of role rugby in Munster. I think some people, uh, just just to clarify this, this is speculation, and we don't even know if Munster are going to appoint a director of rugby. We know they have to get a head coach and an assistant coach. But I did hear in, in the grapevine a number of weeks back, and I've heard this talk for a little while now, that it's something Munster were interested in doing, is putting in a director of rugby. So there's so much going on when you're um, in the provincial setup like that, trying to run the academies and oversee development. And the whole rugby program is right down through, right from the senior team down. Um, I think it's a good idea to get a director of rugby um, and I think he would be an exceptional man to come back and do that job and, and be, be a director of rugby for Munster. Again, speculation, we don't know. What, what's your take on that? And You saw the headlines as well. Yeah, look, I think <clears throat> to be fair, you know, when we spoke about Johan leaving a while back, that was something that I had said it would be brilliant for Munster to get a director of rugby in um, because it just takes the whole off the pitch stuff away from that coach and, you know, that head coach and then that coaching ticket and they can just concentrate on that. I think that that's definitely something the way the game has gone down. Lentz are a prime example. Leo Cullen's done an unbelievable job as that director of rugby type role. And, um, and it just, it, it separates then the pitch, on pitch stuff and off pitch stuff. 
Um, so look, I'm all first. I do think that um Declan Kidney has done a very, very good job over London Irish. Like and that's, good that's job. That's ori- originally what Rusty Erasmus came in as director yes. of rugby when and Anthony, Jack came there. Yeah, yeah. Axel was head coach. Um, and then Jack and then, yeah, I think that was a really good like that's a really good system, especially for an Irish side. And you know, as, as I said there. Declan Kidney has done a really, really good job over London Irish. Like they are going very, very well. They're playing a really nice brand of rugby too. And like you know him, like you've played under him. You know you understand the connection with Munster. Like how much would as a supporter would they love to see somebody like that back in there? Um, like you know, he, by all accounts, he was an incredible man manager. I like I don't know. You probably know better than I would, obviously. Yeah, he was. And I think he was brilliant at, at, at organising uh, loads of stuff up away from the rugby field and, and managing structures and, and central to a lot of change that happened um, uh, in the whole organisation throughout his time, particularly the first time he was head coach. Um, he's really shrewd at that. He's a former school teacher. Um, we felt like schoolboys at the start. I certainly did. And I had to be kept in line by him. But um, I think he's, there's a real decency around Declan and and he gets people and he tries to understand people and the environment is really, really important to him. And that can be difficult for a head coach sometimes when there's so many moving parts around and it brings added pressure. And I think it's a setup like this for Munster would, would, in my opinion, work very well. And he knows Munster inside out. He's had obviously great success in winning the two European Cups um, and his organisational skills are brilliant. I think he was very shrewd and always has been in, in his, when he had head coach roles um, about the people he appointed underneath him and the coaches essentially to do a lot of the on-field stuff. And he recognised that over the years that um, he gave people um, responsibility to to deliver in their certain roles. And I think he was brilliant at all that over the years. So um, he's done a really good job at London Irish, got him promoted the first first year of trying and has him playing a brilliant round of rugby. They're, they're, the top, they're the top scorers in the Premiership try scorers. Now, I don't know if Declan has a hands-on role in going out on the coaching field because Les Case is the head coach. Uh, Brad Davies is assistant coach Declan Danner there's a load of other coaches but I think Declan is running and he's overseeing the recruitment um, the running of the, all the academies the development player signings all that kind of stuff so I think so a role like that in Munster would, would, would be really good and I think Munster fans would love to see him back so um, we don't know if it's true or what the story is or whether he's interested in doing that I, I imagine at some stage he would love to come back home um, but it's a personal thing. And again, we're doing a lot of speculating. And, and when we do a podcast early in the week, there's a lot of speculating because we don't have teams <laughs> and, and a lot of stuff happens after we do the podcast. Maeve, we're back on. Uh, we didn't think, we thought we finished our podcast yesterday, but for for obvious reasons, the, the Munster-Leinster game has been called off. And uh, that's why we're back on. Uh, it wasn't obvious that it was going to be uh, cancelled with COVID. We something we were all looking forward to on Stephen's day, and um, it's disappointing. It's probably frustrating for everyone. Maybe Munster will be the winners here financially. That uh, if this game game is refixed sometimes during the Six Nations, if they can find a date for it, that 
maybe if crowds are reinstated, that they can uh, get crowds back in there and get 15, 20,000 back. It was a sellout, 26,500. That was obviously a big disappointment for, for the, um, from a financial point of view last week. But um, what's your take on this? How unsettling is it? Is it um, you disappointed by it? Will the players be? Yeah, I, I, I think you'd be very disappointed. I think that, you know, it's just been really soft starty for Munster since that break in November. Um, and I think they'll be really good at it. I think that last week's game wasn't brilliant. So I think they would like to have trying to, you know, right a few wrongs there and get on back on the pitch. But also, look, a couple of things, right? Obviously, we hope that everybody affected by, you know, by this in, in Leinster is okay and well. Um, and um, and there's nobody, you know, incredibly sick. Um, but also, from a Munster point of view, fans' point of view, this is the big fixture of the year, isn't it? And um, it's just been, yeah, huge disappointing. I think when the, the news filtered through yesterday, more disappointing for us that we had to come back on, I think. Um, but, yeah, look, it, it is a bit gutty. Um, and and the, big, the bigger picture here is that, you know, Another game gone, and another opportunity for players to be able to play. Um, and I think that that's the biggest thing. You know, there's the way the U the, the UPC the, the URC sorry is now is that it's a uh, you know very limited games, very limited opportunities for young lads to get game time. And I just think from this from that point of view, um, it's just been it's just been really disappointing. And I, th- I think obviously the new new system this year where there wouldn't be any games during the November Internationals or Six Nations, um, that's obviously going to change now. And that does, as you say, limit the opportunities for younger players to play. So um, we know Munster have to go back to um, South Africa to play the Bulls and the Lions in March, the last two Six Nations games. So they'll be missing their internationals. And that's an opportunity in a window for players, albeit they'll be coming up again, probably against full-strength South African sides. This Leinster match, um, it was called off last Christmas as well. Um, so game time, I think, is a real issue here and match practice for players because I think there's a number of players in the Munster squad that maybe have three or four games played this season, five games. It's it's. So look at um, Zebo, two games. Two games for Zebo, yeah. I think there's... And and probably the 14 guys, um, I know there was some management and uh, involved in that, the ones that had to quarantine in South Africa and then quarantine when they come home they'll have done very very little in a long long time so maybe I think from a match point match practice point of view it's it's um it's frustrating and disappointing but it's probably an opportunity to do a little kind of um, a lot of those guys need to to get the body up and running again and, and get into the gym and do fitness sessions and maybe fire fire the body up a little bit so um it is what it is there's nothing they can do it's disappointing I think the disappointment of having only 5,000 fans there and, and yeah. people looking forward to it for Christmas and all that kind of stuff. Um, from Leinster's point of view, I think, um, has it become pretty obvious that uh, EPCR's COVID review committee made a right decision last week? And does this kind of weaken the defence of Leinster and their opportunity to appeal? Because obviously... Um, Leinster tested on Wednesday. They had positive number, of, a high number of cases on Thursday. Uh, they came out and said that you know they're twenty three players fit and and COVID free to go to France. 
Um, is there something we don't know here that maybe those some of those players were mixing with that 23 and that there was a potential and maybe some of those 23 players now have COVID that were named to play Montpellier? Um, because obviously if, if, the, if, if they haven't, well then why aren't the 23 players that were named from Montpellier coming down to, to, to Limerick to play? So I think it does show that maybe EPCR were right here. Montpellier had no cases past Monday. Um, as hard as that is, and as frustrating as that to listen to for, for Leinster people, I think that is the case. EPCR got this right, and it does weaken the opportunity to appeal it. Um, and I think that that's something that is probably um, blatantly obvious now. Now, I think what I've seen online as well is still people saying, well, the Wasps-Munster game went ahead on the, the previous Sunday when Wasps had cases maybe confirmed on Saturday night or Sunday morning. We don't know, so we're speculating on this one. And maybe speculating a little bit on where Leinster are at. Maybe, um, but I would imagine that the game is called off because some of those 23 players have now got COVID. It's, yeah, it's, it's obviously... Yeah, it's it's obviously hard to know. I think I think that's the big thing. It's 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 difficult to understand, and we're not privy, and we we don't know. But I, I just think there's a huge. They, they need a circuit breaker, and uh, unfortunately, you know, it's this game, and I think that uh, hopefully for everybody involved, both provinces, you know, likes the conduct and Ulster as well, that that circuit breaker of one game will will allow the other games to go ahead. But you're right. I think it does make the appeal um, to the EPCR very difficult. And they probably took a bit of flack last week, EPCR, for, for that decision. And maybe all of us kind of felt a little bit that that was the case. And maybe it would have been better to actually, for them to say, well, we, we based it on this reason. Um, I think maybe the, re- the reason was is fairly obvious that Leinster had cases later in the week and, and Montpellier didn't. Um, but look, that's not our business. Um, yeah, it's just disappointing that this game is gone and frustrating for for players. I think they want to get back up and running again. And I was just more disappointed. For all the fans. Yeah, I'm just more disappointed that our brilliant uh, preview of the game, Quinny, is gone now. And um, yeah, the, and our preview yesterday started naming players, and we, we were, were talking about in, individual battles. Yeah, you know, yeah. with with a view to. And I, I said this um, when I played um, these Christmas derbies, or, or even sometimes they would have been on in October. They're 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 all with a view to trying, um, you know, going head to head with your opposition and maybe trying to get a place in the Irish squad. And uh, this game um, changes that a little bit. We did a good preview yesterday, and uh, we that's what, that was intriguing <laughs> me. Some of those battles, and look, every year we're always talking about have the Interbros lost a little bit of bite. Um, what do they mean to the players? Are they all buddy-buddy? Because they're, it's Team Ireland a lot in the last number of years, which um, getting that balance right, um, the same kind of bitterness and probably uh, narkiness isn't there now. But unfortunately, we won't get to see that on Sunday because we were both hopeful we'd see an exciting yeah. kind of sparky game and uh, hoping for a Munster win against a very strong, powerful Leinster squad. But it's gone now and... Uh, and that's disappointing, and uh, they've got to move on. Um, Ulster Connacht will go ahead, so that's something to watch on Stevens' day. And um, Leinster are not going to go back training, I think, till the twenty eighth. I think. Yeah. And as you said, look, 
Um, let's hope they're all okay and nobody is is uh, they all recover whatever players have COVID or, or, or management or part of their squad and hopefully they can get back up and running and um, we'll be back I think next week to to look at Connacht um, if I remember rightly so the game in Connacht last year uh, Munster were quite comfortable I think well I wouldn't say quite comfortable but it looked like they were going to win the game they had a little bit of a comfort, comfort scoreline and the last 10 minutes, it just went. Connacht yeah. came at him. Munster, two players, Sinbind. They just scrum on the line to possibly win the game and and didn't win the game. So that one will certainly be one to look forward to. And the way Connacht have played at times, a um, few frustrating performances for him. The Dragons one stands out, but they'll be relishing uh, Munster coming up to the sports ground uh, just after Christmas. And, um, yeah. It'll be fine. We'll get games eventually. Yeah, they will. Yeah. But anyway, look, um, big happy Christmas to everyone. Um, if you want to tweet us, um, you can tweet us at the Rugby Channel 15. And wherever you get your podcasts, you can download the Red 78. And uh, unfortunately, we have no match, but hopefully everyone has a lovely Christmas and a happy new year. And uh, we'll be back next week to hopefully look forward to that game against Connacht. The Monster Rugby Podcast. Red 78 with Adam Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Nobody knows Monster Rugby better.